Welcome back into Sons of Saturday, Virginia Tech Hoops Pod. My name is Mike McDaniel, joined by Ed Williams. Ed, Virginia Tech's 2-0. You and I saw them in person on Friday night against Navy. They destroyed Maine in the opener at Castle Coliseum. Team looks pretty good. Yeah, man, they do look really good. Their offense is as good as I've ever seen in Virginia Tech uh, basketball. They, they That ball moves around so quick, and everybody's so dangerous on the offensive side. But it was so much fun to watch them play in person, too. There's a lot of things you can pick up in person that you can't necessarily pick up on TV. Um, but the main game was to be expected, you know, pretty easy blowout win against Maine and Blacksburg in Castle with fans for the first time in, I think it was like 600-something days. So that place was pretty fired up. Um, the students especially were pretty fired up to have the Hokies back in person in Castle. And then the Navy game, um, as usual, Virginia Tech fans travel super well. There was a big Virginia Tech presence in Annapolis and especially at the game itself. So uh, Hokies fans showing out for the basketball team and the team, you know, returning the favor with two pretty good wins. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, for the Navy game especially, we'll get into the specifics of the game in a second, but like you mentioned, a pretty big Virginia Tech contingent. All those DMV Hokies made the trip to Annapolis, and there were a ton of Virginia Tech fans there for sure. Let's start with the opener, though, against Maine. Virginia Tech won that opener 82-47 to in Castle Coliseum. Student section showed out. Apparently, a student section was up above the band, which – you know, if you went to school around the time I did and graduated around 2015, Virginia Tech's basketball team wasn't that good yet. And it was really only against Duke and UVA where we'd see the student section show up and, and be kind of above the band castle. Uh, so it was a pretty great student turnout for the opener. Obviously, winning helps that a lot. And Virginia Tech, the athletics program as a whole, has been looking for a major team to latch on to with the football team struggling. Everybody showed up to the opener against Maine. Tech wins by a billion. Uh, offensively, I mean, really hard to complain about much of anything in this basketball game. Ed, hope you shot 53% from the field, 43% from three. A couple key takeaways for me, areas I wanted to see them improve against Navy and, and two areas that they did improve against Navy, which we'll get into in a second, free throws and rebounding. Uh, Hokies were only three of five from the free throw line against Maine. It helped. They shot 53% from the floor, so it didn't really matter that they only shot five free throws. Uh, but the the rebounding discrepancy was an issue. Hokies were out rebounded twenty one to sixteen in the first half of that game. They then they out rebounded Maine twenty to sixteen in the second half, so it was much better. But Ed, what were your takeaways from this from this main game, either either with specific performances or the team as a whole? Yeah, I can do a little bit of both there. But specific performances, Justin Mutz is fantastic, and that's yeah. going to be a theme throughout this podcast and my Twitter feed and this entire season. Uh, Justin Mutz is such a good ball player. 23 minutes, and he had 15, seven rebounds and six assists. Yeah. Um, probably could have had a triple-double if he really felt like it, but uh, he's such a good player, and his his confidence is crystal clear um, on TV and in person. You can see it in person, too. He's just – he's fired up, and he's going to have a really good year. Um, oh, you know, more overarching view of the team for the main game was uh, – yeah, I was, I was a little – worried about their physicality in the first half um getting out rebounded by Maine even in a game that you're you know blowing them out is not a good sign um you'd like to see guys like Kevin Aluma with more than zero rebounds in 18 minutes against Maine right that's that's not that's not a great sign and I'm sure it's you know a lot of different contributing factors in a game that was never close but still your starting center who, who's supposed to be your best player zero rebounds in 18 minutes against Maine 
is not going to get it done. Uh, now, fortunately, he was picked up by seven from Mutz and seven from Aline. But the Hokies looked like they were um, kind of coasting against Maine, which, of course, but at the same time, you'd like to see them not get out-rebounded by a team of that caliber. Yeah, the, the rebounding was certainly an issue. Mike Young, going into halftime, said, yeah, we're, I'm not too happy with what we're doing on the glass. We'll get that, we'll get that fixed at halftime. And they did. <laughs> they rebounded much better in the second half. I think there was you know, some schematic elements to it as well. Um, Mike Young was pretty clear about that going into halftime. He's like, we'll get that fixed. And they did. They, they rebounded much better in the second half. Kevin Aluma was sitting for most of this game with a wrap on his back. Mike Young said, no big deal. He just got kind of neat in practice and he was just a little bit sore, but nothing structural to really be worried about. Aluma bounced back with a really nice game against Navy on Friday night. So all systems go from here on out, but Aluma got himself into foul trouble early in this game. Uh, he picked up his third foul. I think it was four or five minutes in the second half. It was just an excuse to rest him at that point because you were able to get John Ogiaco some playing time. He was the first guy off the bench um, along with Darius Maddox. That's something that, Ed, we've now seen in two straight games. That It seems like those are going to be the two guys that are the first off the bench. David Gusan's going to play a significant role. I think that's pretty clear. And Sean Padula is going to play in a pinch. That's something you and I talked about You know, when we were previewing the season for a couple podcasts. We said, okay, how much is Sean Padula reasonably going to play? It does seem like Storm Murphy is going to command a large amount of the minutes, which we expected, but Sean Padula is going to play at least 10 or 11 minutes a game, right? And uh, it's been interesting, though, to see kind of how those minutes have been distributed. It's been clear that Padula has been used certainly more in the first half than the second half in both of these two games. Um, I'm not sure why that's the case, but it does feel like Padula is getting more run in the first half and the second half you and I were sitting there at the Navy game on Friday night and we were texting during this main game saying, you know, we'd like to see a little bit more Padula, you know, in the second half of these games, because it doesn't seem like he's getting on the floor. It's interesting to see how the minutes are being distributed here, but it's clear he's going to have some sort of role. I'm just kind of unclear as to what that is other than just maybe spelling storm Murphy in a pinch. Maybe that is all that's going to be. Yeah. I think in regards to, Padula, that is all it's going to be probably for him. Um, seven minutes against Maine, or seven against Navy, 11 against Maine. Right. Um, so his minutes actually went down a little bit in a game that was against a better opponent, but also was never really that close. Um, he looked okay against Navy, I thought. he. I mean, against Maine, he had his obvious freshman mistakes, and Mike Young talked about that after the, in the post game about him and Jalen Haynes having some freshman mistakes in their limited minutes against Maine. But I think – I think this week we'll see a little bit more Sean Padula. At least I'm hopeful because any minutes he can play is really helpful for Storm um, down the stretch of the season into ACC play. And I do think the first half, um, if possible, will be when Padula plays just to give Storm as much time in the second half as possible. We even saw against Navy the old Hunter Couture bringing the ball up like we, we saw did. last year for Virginia Tech. So that was interesting as well. Um, Storm out, no Padula in, and just going with Naheem Aline and Hunter Couture to break the press and get up the floor. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. A um, couple other things from Maine that we can't really gloss over. Um, David Gasson, 7 of 7, 15 points, 18 minutes off the bench. Yeah. Uh, looked fantastic against Maine. Took a, took a step back against Navy, I would say. Wasn't as good. Didn't look as confident against Navy. Um, but played really, really good against Maine. Um, Hunter Couture is fantastic. He does not get enough attention from uh, the fans, especially. Uh, and, you know, on the overarching on the team, he is super, super important. 
Uh, he had five points, five assists, and four rebounds against Maine, uh, only shooting the ball four times. Um, quite the opposite against Navy. He absolutely scorched Navy. Uh, there was times when they were leaving him open, and, and I'm like, what are you people doing? Right. Um, he's such a good player, and his ability to steal possessions on the defensive end by taking charges uh, is pretty uncanny. He's incredibly good at getting square in front of the uh, his the guy he's guarding and taking a charge, and that is something that it really is just stealing possessions. Um, and that'll, I think, will be a theme throughout the year. We'll see a lot of that from him. Uh, Naheem Aline played really good against Maine, too. It's hard to take a lot away from a game like that when you're winning by almost 40. Um, so it was just interesting to see kind of the rotations. But even that got skewed a little bit towards the end. Everybody on the roster in a jersey played against Maine. Right. Um, which you want to see in a game like that. And then you touched on this a little bit, and I want to elaborate on it more. The ability to have John Ogiaco come in the game and some confidence in him to hold his own and perform uh, is something that's going to be super valuable as the season goes on. There have been times in the past, whether it was Kerry Blackshear Jr. or Kevin Aluma, where Virginia Tech has their one big, and behind him there's not much else. And foul trouble for that one big has caused issues in the past, um, and it could have caused issues in Maine. I mean, obviously it's Maine, so they probably would have won if Kevin played or not, but – yeah, you get to the ACC play, Kevin gets two quick fouls. The ability to bring John Ogiaco in with confidence uh, is something that I look forward to throughout the rest of the year. I thought he played really good against Maine and had some good plays against Navy as well. It helps, too, when you're able to bring in Ogiaco. You can bump David Gusan out to the wing, too, which is extremely helpful because if there's one area going into the year where you can look at Virginia Tech and say they don't have as much depth there as usual, at least in the most recent Virginia Tech teams, it would be out on the wing. You know, they, they do have Hunter Couture. They do have Naheem Aline. But if you go to the bench and, and you kind of look at how the bench is aligned, I mean, Virginia Tech doesn't have a lot of guys to choose from coming off the bench on the wing. There's Darius Maddox. He's going to play a significant role. That's clear. David Gusan, if he continues to gain offensive confidence and be able to shoot the rock, that's going to help too. Being able to bump him out there and not have to play him underneath the basket offensively constantly. Having John Ogiaco come off the bench is huge, and seeing his development through the first few games of the year has been really fun to watch. Like you mentioned, I mean, he comes off the bench against Maine, real solid, gave the Hokies minutes where they absolutely needed them because, like we mentioned, Aluma was in foul trouble. He came in, played really well offensively, uh, definitely playing with more confidence defensively as well. And it's important because we're not going to see Lynn Kidd play a lot, Ed. I mean, Lynn Kidd is going no. to be – this is a red, this is a red shirt situation, I think, for Lynn Kidd, which is fine. Um, especially if you have contributing minutes from Ojiako and David and Gusan, you know, in the front court along with Luma and Mutz. I, I think that's it's pretty significant if you're able to sit a guy like Kid who has a ton of athletic ability, but he's still a little bit raw as a prospect. So that was that was a takeaway for me. Even like in this game against Maine, like the backcourt, you mentioned Couture, only five points, but he was in total command the entire time, right? Played th- a team high 31 minutes. And he's a guy who's going to play a ton of minutes for Mike Young. Couture what I've noticed for the first two games is he's a guy, Mike Young doesn't want to take off the floor Ed. you know, he'll, he'll take him off for a couple minutes, like right before a media timeout. And that's about it. And then he's back in the game after the media timeout. And he tries to, you know, steal as, as much time on the bench with Couture as he can in, in the context that he can, because he knows he has to have him out there. And Couture played a significant role um, in, in both of these season opening wins, as we knew that he would, um, but in a starting role, you know, he had 33 minutes. The only guy against Navy, the only guy who had more minutes in the Navy game was Justin Mutz. He had team high 31 minutes against Maine in a blowout win. So Couture is going to play a ton of minutes. And no matter how you shuffle a starting lineup, there's a pretty good chance Couture is going to be out there. 
Yeah, and I think this team is pretty clearly eight deep at this point. Um, Mike Young has mentioned the, at least his hope is to get to nine. Um, and I think his eight is pretty clear. It's the starting five and Aluma, Mutz, Couture, Aline, and Murphy. And then the three off the bench that he's confident in are Gasson, Ojiako, and Maddox. Yep. And I think in his perfect world, that ninth would be Sean Padula, which we've talked about. But it's it's been pretty clear so far through the minutes distribution that his eight that he's super confident in are the starters plus Gasson, Ojiako, and Maddox. Um, all three of them played 14 for Gasson, nine for Ojiako, and 15 for Maddox in the Navy win. Um, I think you talked about the wing depth and the need for – there's going to be a time when you need to spell Couture, and uh, I think Darius Maddox is going to continue to make strides in the right direction. I thought he looked pretty good against Navy. Um, didn't shoot the ball probably how he wanted to, 0 of 2 from 3. Uh, but he had a nice little drive and one. That was that was a good good confidence boost for him, I'm sure. Uh, he's got all the talent in the world. You can see it. His first step is ridiculously quick. Um, he has the ability to get open on literally one step and get his shot away. Um, and I think as he continues to play more and get more confident, that shot will fall. Uh, he's, he's a very talented player. He's more than capable of playing at this level. And I think his progression will be a key coming off the bench for the rest of the year for Virginia Tech. And then we already talked about Ojiako. Uh, he'll continue to get better. And David Gasson had a, definitely a really rough night for him, not how he wanted to play, I'm sure, against Navy, zero points. Um, over shooting, over at the line. So just one of those, you know, it's all going to even out in the end and averages are, you know, pretty good thing to go by towards the season's end. And you go seven for seven, one game, you might have a rough one thereafter. So I think David Gasson will be fine moving forward. Um, the minutes distribution against Navy was interesting too, because all the starters except Aluma played over 30 minutes. Um, we were sitting there and we were kind of laughing about it towards the end. You know, this game was, over for uh, you know all intents and purposes and he Mike Young's calling timeouts and running plays it looked like old Buzz Williams where Buzz would be beaten up on East Carol East Connecticut State or something like that right. and he's calling timeouts and running inbounds plays and trying to get every rep out of it so you could tell that there was things the coaching staff really wanted to hammer home in this Navy game um, that they were you know willing to play all of their starters for as many minutes as they did and you know, I think they got a lot out of it um, I, I liked how Storm played man he's such a calming presence um, such a veteran and like he he must have like the strongest lower half ever because that dude is getting drilled by guys left and right driving through the paint and he just never gets bumped off the ball he doesn't move um, yeah yeah his ability to just take contact absorb it and just keep on moving and make the right play uh, is pretty fantastic it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch in person I encourage people to try to go out and see this team in person as much as they can because there's a lot of things you can take away uh, live that you can't really see on tv but yeah, Storm just gets double teamed, bumped off picks, all this stuff, and it just doesn't even phase him. He just keeps on trucking. So such a calming presence, uh, really good player. His step back at the end of the half against Navy was amazing. Nasty on the wing. Yeah, yeah that, was that, that was nasty. Um, I'll take him taking that shot all the time. I think that's something he's extremely confident in in his game. And then, you know, Kebe was the only one who didn't play 30 minutes in the Navy game, but he had – probably the quietest 20 points you'll ever see yeah. 10, 10 from the line too, uh, which you really like to see from a guy like that. So a uh, lot of positive things coming out of both these games. John Rothstein was very complimentary of the Virginia tech team, both on the broadcast and on Twitter afterward, uh, the basketball reporter for CBS. So um, I think, you know, I'm hopeful we'll get some more national attention, but I don't think these guys really care one way or the other. And I know Mike Young doesn't. 
No, definitely not. You, you mentioned the quiet 20 for Aluma, and we mentioned earlier the lack of free throws as a team against Maine. Well, the Hokies win by 20 against Navy, and the Hokies take 19 free throws in this game, make 15 of them. You mentioned the quiet 20 for Kevin Aluma. He makes all 10 of his free throws, so that's why it was so quiet. I'm in the car on the way home. I can't believe that Aluma, I said Aluma had 20 tonight. I couldn't believe it. Uh, Justin Mutz only had nine points, but the dunk that he had, Ed, dear God, dude. Are you kidding me? He, he comes out of nowhere on the wing, and then the put-back dunk, the crowd couldn't – I mean, the, the Navy fans were like, oh, my God. Like, they couldn't believe that he just kind of came out of nowhere and was soaring through the air. And that speaks to his confidence, right? That The one thing that he was talking about at ACC Media Days, right, in, in the preseason and in every interview he did, he interviewed the Billy and I did uh, with Justin much before the year. The, the one thing he said he needed to improve upon wasn't anything specific to his game. You know, he said there's always going to be stuff to work on you know, on your game. He said, there's always, you know, I want to be a better shooter. I want to be a better rebounder. I want to be a better defender. He said, there's always going to be stuff to work on your game, but there's one area that I wanted to improve on the most from last season to this season. It's my confidence. And there is no doubt in my mind, even though Mutz only had nine points in this game against Navy, there's no doubt in my mind that he is a much more confident player through the first two games of the year here in 2021 than he was at any time in 2020. We started to see the confidence towards the end of the year last year, Ed, but He's taken a step forward there in that regard, and he's been really, really good. And I turned to you, I turned to Scott, my brother-in-law, during the game. I said, Mutz is our best player, and I, and I really believe that. All around, offensively, defensively, the presence that he brings, I think he's Virginia Tech's best player. He's the most consistent player, and I think he's a guy who's going to bring it every night. And if he can continue to play confidently you know, with, with how he's bringing himself to the table each and every day, man, this is going to be a really, really good team. And it takes the onus off of Aluma too, which Aluma had to carry the load a lot last year. And he had 20 points in 24 minutes. He was real efficient against Navy, but there are going to be some nights like the main game where he's going to get into foul trouble or, you know, he may not shoot the ball particularly well. Somebody else needs to pick up that slack. And Justin Mutz is going to be one of those calming presences in the front court that I think will be able to do that. Yeah, he, he is super confident right now you can see it when he's on the floor you can see it when he's running around on the sideline you can see it in pregame tip off before the ball's even thrown up he's running around chanting let's go Hokies getting the fans all fired up on an away game at Navy um he he's looking like he's having a great time right now and I I agree with you I think he is if not the best player he's definitely the most important player yeah on the team yep I don't even think that's a question at this point um you know that second place is probably Couture there but uh, Aluma is the most talented player, but infinitely important. Uh, he he kind of does a little bit of everything. He almost operates the way Draymond Green operated, you know, back on those Warriors teams when they were, you know, on top of the basketball world. He just does everything that the Storm Murphys and the Hunter Couture's don't. Um, he's not going to, you know, put up 25 every night on like eight threes, but he he will do everything else. I mean, his stat line against Navy – Nine points, a steal, six rebounds, two assists, just does a little bit of everything. And, yeah, that dunk was one of the more athletic things I've seen in person in a long time. Um, he was His head was at the rim, and he just slammed that thing down, and that place went nuts. The sideline went crazy for Virginia Tech. Um, I even caught a glimpse of Virginia Tech commit Rodney Rice, who was sitting behind the bench there. Uh, he was going nuts when Mutz made that play, too. So, um a lot of energy. He brings all the energy in the world. Justin Mutz is a fantastic player, and I, I look forward to continuing to watch him just light it up this year. And I think he could take some serious positive steps forward in the landscape of the ACC and the country. 
Hunter Couture had a career high 19 in this game. You mentioned Navy didn't want to guard him. He had five of seven from three. So, I mean, they just decided that they were going to make a conscious effort not to guard him, which was a bold move because usually when he's open, he doesn't miss. But even when he is, even when he's covered, he doesn't miss. I mean, there were a couple of times when they did finally decide to guard him and he just pull up from five feet behind the line and drill it from the top of the key is one that I remember vividly. But I mean, he shot 70%, zero free throws, 19 points, four assists, three rebounds, two charges taken. Um, such a good player, does everything. Yep. Uh, Storm Murphy, the one thing I want to mention, you touched on this briefly earlier, seeing him in person, um, it's it's so interesting to see how he operates, man. Like the, the confidence, the leadership, he's always communicating with Mike Young and the assistant coaches during free throws and coming out of timeouts and going into timeouts. He's talking to the coaching staff before they even get into the huddle. A leader that the Hokies did not have, and, and this isn't a shot at, at BD by any, by any means. He was you know, an important player for them last year, but he provides a leadership presence on both ends of the floor that I think was missing from the Hokies a year ago. Um, and I think some of that comes with with confidence. Beatty didn't always play with confidence last year. You're seeing a guy in Storm Murphy who, you know, knows he can shoot. And again, even against Navy, he didn't have the best shooting night from three. He's been cold actually through the first couple of games. But I don't think anybody's going to argue the fact that even though he hasn't been shooting the ball well, he's been contributing. He's been a very important player here here in the early going. He's not turning the ball over. Um, he had two in this game. He had none against Maine. He's got two turnovers for the first two games. I mean, if he's only going to turn the ball over once a game, that's going to be perfect, especially if you continue in the ACC play against better competition. If you can keep those turnover numbers down, the Hokies are going to be in good position, especially when they steal possessions on the other end. So this is just a really, a really confident team. And I get that it's Maine and it's Navy, and I don't want to get out ahead of the skis at all, you know, by any stretch. You know, Maine was a really bad basketball team last year, and Navy was not, though. <laughs> like, Navy was good last year. They're coming off of a win against UVA in their opener this year. This is going to end up being potentially a quadrant, either a low-end quadrant one, potentially a quadrant two win. Navy's going to compete in the Patriot League. Like, this is a team that's going to be very good this year, I think. At least on paper, they look that way. They're a veteran-laden team. And Tech quickly dispatched of Navy. I mean, they were up 18 at the break. Navy came out of halftime. They cut it to 10, and then Tech went on a 9 nothing run, and that's all she wrote. It was never competitive after that. So just a really strong performance on the road for Tech. And that gives you a ton of confidence now, obviously, going into the next three games, which, you know, starting tonight here as we record on Monday morning, Ed, I mean, Tech hosts Radford tonight at Castle Coliseum. But the next three games now, home against Radford, home against St. Francis in Pennsylvania, home against Merrimack before they get Memphis the week of Thanksgiving. So this is just, it's going to be a stretch where we expect three wins for Tech. But what are the big things you're looking for now to, for the Hokies to try to get to 5-0 before they play a competitive Memphis team in Brooklyn? Yeah, I want to add one thing on Storm, and then I'll move on to yeah, yeah, for the, sure. next, yep. the next stretch of games. But one, another piece of Storm <clears throat> excuse me, that doesn't uh, jump out on the stat sheet is his assist, assist numbers. He only had one against Navy, and I want people to try to look out for this as we watch this team going forward. He may only have had one assist. But, man, did he probably have five or six hockey assists. And what I mean by that is yep. he would torch his guy off the dribble, get into the lane, pass it to the right person. And this team is incredibly unselfish and willing to go one more pass to get to the open Nehemiah or Hunter Couture or whoever. Um, so Storm's ability to get into the lane and make the right decisions, whether that be make a layup or kick it to the corner or dump it off to Luma, um, 
playing around with this Virginia Tech offense right now, and Storm is a huge part of that, yep. whether his assist numbers say so or not. Um, so, yeah, let's go on to Radford. Radford is historically a pretty good program. They find themselves competing in their conference pretty much every year and, and make the occasional run at the, into the NCAA tournament. Um, they're off to a one-on-one start. They were able to beat Emory and Henry, which you'd expect. And their Virginia game did not go as well. No, as, did not. Did not go well in as you As I thought it would. I thought, I thought Radford would compete in that game, but they ended up losing by 21. Um, you know, EVA needed that win pretty bad, obviously, after their loss to Navy. Um, but this, you know, historically, Radford is a pretty good program. They do really well in the Big South. Um, they've got some, you know, talent and athletes that could probably play elsewhere uh, at, at higher levels of college basketball. So Radford's no slouch of a program. They, they do really good. They do really well. Um, I'm interested to see tonight. The two things I'm going to keep an eye on that I've kept an eye on for the majority of the first two games as well is physicality in terms of rebounding and defense, and then just defense as a whole in terms of the rotations. Um, you could tell that that's a huge area of emphasis for the coaching staff in the way that they were coaching defense. Um, when Virginia Tech was defending the basket in front of the Virginia Tech bench against Navy, the coaches were fired up. They're up yelling at guys, calling out screens, all kinds of stuff. So that's a huge area of emphasis for this team, and it needs to be. When you lose guys like Tyrese Radford and will be speedy in the early part of the season, defense is going to be um, very important. So I really want to pay attention to the defensive rotations um, and the rebounding. Uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned about it because I don't think that's an area of, especially Kevin Aluma's game that he's super good at. Um, it helped having guys like Tyrese Radford who could rebound super well from the guard position. And so far you've seen that the rebounding, for Virginia Tech has been a team effort. It's all five guys. Storm, I think, had six against Navy. Uh, Naheem Aline had six against Navy. So the guards are rebounding. Mutz is obviously going to do his thing on the glass. But I'd love to see Keve Aluma emphasize that part of his game a little bit more. And I think that's something that NBA scouts will be looking for as well. So in this Radford game, in the St. Francis game, and then Merrimack, um, I would love for Keve to get like eight rebounds and two of the three of those, you know, show that it's something he can do. Um, and I think that'll help the whole rest of the team. But rebounding and defense, uh, the offense has no question marks. Um, I saw John Rothstein post this in his top 25 today. He had Virginia Tech just outside of the top 25 at 27. But his comment was, there are not 10 basketball coaches better at coaching offense than Mike Young. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, Mike Young is an incredible offensive mind. And his staff does a really good job of calling the plays situationally for these guys to get good shots. Um, so the offense is no worry. I think they'll will score at ease in all three of these games, uh, but it's really just the rebounding and the defense because those are the two things that here after this easy stretch. I agree. There are not ten offensive coaches that are better. Uh, I, I think Virginia Tech's a top twenty team. That's personal thought on it. We'll see. I mean, it's really really early, uh, but you know, I wholeheartedly expect Virginia Tech to be five and zero going into the game against Memphis next week uh, over Thanksgiving. This is this is going to be an interesting team to continue to monitor throughout non-conference play. We mentioned it before the season that Tech was going to be in situations um, against some of the teams that they played early in the non-conference schedule where they were going to be measuring stick-type games. Navy was a measuring stick-type game that nobody really anticipated, right? No, anybody that was paying attention knew that Navy was pretty good last year, but 
I think, you know, the common basketball team looked at the Navy game and said, yeah, Tech should roll them. And they did, but Navy beat UVA in the opener. And I think a lot of, you know, common basketball fans just had, you know, they, they took that game more seriously and gave it a bit more attention. Tech wins a game by 20 on the road. Now you got Radford, St. Francis, Merrimack. Then you have a stretch of Memphis at Maryland, Wake Forest through the first week of December. So it gets real here quick for Virginia Tech. Um, you don't want to worry about rankings and where teams are, things like that. But the Hokies offense is operating at a top 10 to 15 level in the country through, through the opening couple of games. I mean, this, this team's going to be real dangerous offensively. The areas where Tech will need to continue to make strides, rebounding, really important, right? You mentioned Kevin Aluma specifically, and I agree with you. An area of his game that needs to continue to grow as the season progresses, especially as Tech plays tougher opponents, is rebounding. Uh, did not rebound a ton against Navy. Had no rebounds against Maine. Like we need him to contribute in that area in the front court. We're able to offset it a bit because our guards are rebounding well, like you mentioned, Ed, but Aluma's going to have to continue to rebound well, right? We're going to need that, that element of his game to, to flourish, especially getting into ACC play against better competition. Uh, it's been kind of an up-and-down start. I mean, he did have 20 the other night, offensively looked much better. He has been a little bit banged up, so that's something to mention too. So as, as his back continues to get healthier – is he willing to be more physical down low? That that's going to be the question, you know, as he continues to, to, to move forward in that regard, the Radford game tonight, I'll be all eyes will be on Kevin Aluma to see how physical he is down low. Um, see if he's willing to, to get after it a little bit more on the glass. Uh, I think that's going to be a really important element of the game for Virginia tech now moving forward. So um, that'll certainly be interesting. Uh, I expect three wins here, Ed. I expect three wins. I'd, I'd like to see, you know, Continued confidence from David Gusan off the bench, like you mentioned, didn't have his best game against Navy. Can he kind of revert back to what we saw against Maine, where he was a guy who was seven of seven from the floor offensively? We're obviously not expecting him to be perfect from the floor every game, but we do want to see that offensive confidence. We want to see him take it to the hoop off the bounce, which he was doing against Maine, didn't do it as much against Navy. You're going to have off shooting nights, but are you going to continue to play confidently on that end of the floor? There were times against Navy where I thought that he settled for jump shots where ordinarily like against Maine, he would have said, you know what, I'm, I'm taking it to the bucket. That's all about confidence and he's a young player, but need to continue to watch that. I want to see Sean Padula, you know, continue to settle into a role, even if it's a small role off the bench. Uh, he's played fine when he's been in, but I think Mike Young wants him to have commanded the offense in a similar way to Storm Murphy, which you know, obviously Mike Young doesn't expect him to be Storm Murphy. It's, you know, Storm Murphy's a fifth-year guy and is a true freshman. But, you know, to continue to grow into the point guard role because this is going to be Padula's team next year. So he's going to have to, he's going to, have to make sure that, that he's, you know, taking as much as he can from Storm Murphy and, and play with that kind of confidence even as a freshman. Yep, and I think these are kind of the last three games where – Padula can take that role. Otherwise, right. it might slip away from him for the year because, like you said, you get into Memphis and Maryland right after these three. Actually, there'll be one game in between Memphis and Maryland. It'll be you know, the, the, the second Ohio game State. of that tournament. Yeah, um, which Xavier's a good program too. So uh, I'm super interested to see how Padula, if he can take a hold of that ninth spot in the rotation that Mike Young wants him to take a hold of because I'm – you know, reading between the tea leaves there, you'd think that that ninth spot in the rotation is what is where Sean Padula could slot in. 
Yeah. Um, Cause I don't, I don't think Lynn kid, you've already talked about it. I don't think Lynn kid has a role this year. And I will say, I think he's okay with that. Um, I, I was paying attention to kind of body language on the bench during uh, the game at Navy and Lynn kid was, you know, having a good old time with everybody on the bench. So yeah. I think he knows where he stands. Um, and I think that's okay. I mean, he probably looks at the, at the future here and sees Kevin Aluma leaving and a clear wild spot for, yeah. for, for bigs to play next year. Um, and Lynn kid is super athletic, by the way, he was put on a show in front of the Navy student section in pregame warmups, just dunking from all over the place. So super athletic, but um, yeah, I, I look to see Sean Padula play and hopefully the game can slow down a little bit for him. Uh, you know, three home games against three inferior pro programs and opponents. Um, Radford will probably be the toughest of the three. I think if so. There is a, if there is a tough one of the three. Um, but I also am really interested to pay attention to Darius Maddox because yeah, all the talent in the world. And I really hope he can take a hold of a role off the bench this year to spell Naeem Malin and Hunter Couture because those guys are going to need it. Um, and then, you know, David Gasson, I think the talent is there. I think he sped himself up a little bit against Navy. And whereas Maine, he was he was pretty in control of what he was doing. Now part of that is the athletes you're going against. Um, and I look to see him bounce back and have a solid week against these three teams. Um, John Ogiaco, another one, you know, we kind of see it's easy because we keep harping on the same guys who are coming off the bench because we know the five that are going to start. We know what right. they're going to do. We, right. They're they're very known commodities, and we know we can expect things from those guys. But Maddox, Ojiako, Gasan, and Padula, those are the those are the question marks. And on my little notepad here, I've got kind of stock up on Maddox and stock up on Ojiako, but kind of question marks for Padula and Gasan so far. Um, Virginia Tech World was on fire talking about David Gasson after the main game, but, you know, give him some time. He'll find his role and he'll be a really good player. Um, I'm excited for these three games. I'm really excited for Memphis. I actually was at the Maryland game uh, when they played GW the other night where former Hokie Joe Bama stole, had himself a game. He had over 20 points. Uh, he was talking a lot of smack to the Maryland student section, which was pretty hilarious to watch, but uh, Maryland's an interesting team. That'll be a good matchup. That'll be a really good test because that environment's going to be awesome in College Park uh, on December 1st when Virginia Tech plays there. But yeah, these three games, and then you know it goes into legit basketball from there because after Memphis and Maryland, you've got Wake, like you talked about, Cornell, solid program, Dayton, good program, St. Bonaventure, really good program, Ranked. and then it's ACC time. So yep. yeah, and then after that, it's ACC time. So these are the last three cupcakes and then you know we got to play some legit basketball games will be favored in for sure in some of those games but legit basketball against legit competition two things real quick you mentioned joe bamisil and early in the year last year the one thing we talked about was bamisil was having trouble finding his footing right if he wanted to roll in the rotation he was going to have to seize it in non-conference play early in the year i feel like sean padula is kind of in that mold now I will fully acknowledge too that it was a little bit different with Bamisil because Bamisil was out on the wing, right? Uh, and we had a clogged wing last year. Radford's still on the roster. Uh, you know, we we had guys contributing out there last year that we we don't this year at the point guard position. We have Storm Murphy, but that's that's it. So Padula needs to play, so he'll probably still have a role. But there are some comparisons there where we wanted to see Joe Bamisil seize that role as a freshman, where he was going to have minutes off the bench. And I feel like 
this is the time, like you mentioned, these next three games for Padula to solidify that that ninth man in the rotation role. Otherwise, I think his minutes are going to be, you know, two minutes here, two minutes there, and that's about it, you know. So he's going to play. It's just a matter of how much. Is it going to be more like 10, 11 minutes, or is it going to be more like five, six, seven minutes like we saw against Navy? I think we'll figure that out soon with Padula. And then the one other thing I wanted to mention too. So we have Radford, St. Francis, Mary Mack here. The front court depth, it, it's clear that that's coming around. Everybody was talking about, you know, David Gusan after the opener and John Ogiaco and how they played. I want to hit real quick on the third guy off the bench a little bit more. We've talked about him briefly, but we got to give him a little bit more love. Darius Maddox has been pretty good for the first couple of games. Now, as far as like high end, like jumping off the page at you, he didn't go seven for seven in a game, you know, like, like David Gusan did. And he didn't come charging off the bench and have this huge night against Maine like Ojiako did, where he's putting in put back dunks and you know, rebounding at a really high clip and bringing instant energy off the bench. But Maddox has been very in control through the first couple of games, and the raw talent is there. And it's clear that Maddox out of the three, like through two games, he seems to be just very settled into the role that he's in and just like knows what his job is. And every time he's on the floor, he's executing that job. And sometimes he's going to take it's going to take some shots that you're like, ah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have taken that, that shot on that possession there, but he's been very in control and like surprisingly consistent through the first couple of games. I, I thought we'd see a little bit more variability in this game. Yeah. And another thing on Joe Bamisil and the Padula comparison, uh, Padula fits this offense in the Mike Young system infinitely better than Joe Bamisil did. Agree. Um, yeah, I agree. Joe Bamisil was and is a fantastic basketball player and would have been really nice to have on this Virginia Tech team specifically due to the role he plays as kind of a three. Um, but he does not fit the way Mike Young wants to play very well. For instance, he had 20 against Maryland. He was 0 for from three. They were all layups and free throws. Um, he's a freak athlete and can get to the basket almost whenever he wants, even against power five competition. But he, in terms of systematically, um, the ball kind of sticks. When Joe Bamisil has it, he's going to dribble and go to the basket. He's not swinging it around, and he's not a very good shooter. Uh, Sean Padula is a very good shooter and is a good passer. So in terms of, you know, him not playing and then up and leaving, I don't see that happening. No, 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 um, no. But Sean Padula and Joe Bamisil, one fits Mike Young's system to a T, and the other one would is a type of player who you try to make the system fit him because he's so talented, but uh, in terms of systematically – it was a little bit different. Um, Darius Maddox, on the other hand, can fit the Mike Young system super well. He's you know, the other four-star that came in with Joe Bamisil and has stayed. And I think he's going to, you know, see benefits from that. He's played pretty good minutes in both games. He's had pretty good results in both games so far. And I, I only see his stock going up. Um, his talent is undeniable. He's, you know, one of the more gifted guys on the roster in terms of raw basketball ability. Um, and I think as he plays more minutes, the game will slow down and he'll be able to find, you know, the areas where he can get his shot um, successfully and often and not rushed. And I do think, you know, he's taken some questionable shots in these games, but they're shots that he are well within his ability. Um, right. he, he, if you watch his high school tape, he's a pretty fantastic scorer who can score in a bunch of different ways. So um, they're not, you know, wide open threes like Hunter Couture's are, but he has the ability off the dribble to take that one step, step back, hit a three, uh, blow by a guy and get to the basket and finish with contact as we saw against Navy. So 
I do look for Darius Maddox to continue to grow into his role. And I think that role will continue to expand as well as, you know, he gets more comfortable and the game slows down. Shooting 50% from the floor through the first two games. So he's been, like you mentioned, you know, sometimes you'll look at a shot and you're like, man, that, that was not an open shot. Probably passed up a better one, but he'll make it. <laughs> so that's fine. And you're going to need that offense off the bench as well. So that's been good to see. Uh, Ed, do we have anything else here uh, before we go watch the Hokies play tonight against Radford and then St. Francis and Merrimack for the next couple of games? No, I just look to continue to watch guys like Darius Maddox and Sean Padula and John Ogiaco continue to grow. I think uh, David Gasson will finish the year having some pretty impressive numbers, but those three guys are a little bit less proven. Uh, Gasson played good minutes down the stretch last year, so he's you know seen this level of basketball before. But the other three guys are pretty raw, and they all have really good ability off the bench to help this team. Uh, I would love to watch Kevin Aluma get more physical and make rebounding a priority in his game. Uh, I think he'll do that this week against inferior competition. Justin Mutz is the man. That will continue to be a theme all year long. Um, the offense is humming, but let's just keep it on the defense, keep it on the rebounding. And if those two things prove to not be giant Achilles heels for this team, sky's kind of the limit. There, There's a lot of talent, and this offense is fantastic and so much fun to watch. So I'm really looking forward to this week, seeing how the minutes shake out before we head up to Brooklyn to play um, a really good Memphis team with – all the talent in the world. Got Memphis, potentially Xavier or Ohio State after that. So it's getting real quick for the Hokies, but this team's good. So hang with them. Get on the bandwagon now. I tweeted this. Get on the bandwagon now. This is top 15 team in the country. I'm telling you, I think they're real, yeah, real and good. And keep an eye on Memphis this week, too. They've got some games against programs that have historically had success at high levels in St. Louis and Western Kentucky. Um, they've played two sleepers so far against really bad teams and blown both the doors off of them. So, uh, but St. Louis and Western Kentucky are, are usually pretty good basketball teams. So it'll be interesting to see how Memphis looks heading into the Virginia Tech game as well. Definitely. And we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, make sure to A, watch the game tonight, but B, uh, go to the Sons of Saturday Virginia Tech account after the game. We've been doing Twitter spaces. It's been a lot of fun, kind of the post-game, post-game wrap-up we've gotten on there and, and we've talked Hokies basketball right after the game ends. So make sure to go check out the Sons of Saturday Virginia Tech Twitter account for that. Once the game ends tonight, I'm sure we'll be doing that once again. Uh, that'll probably be around 9, 9.15, I would say, uh, right after the game ends. So go check that out and uh, definitely continue to look there all season. Uh, Ed, this has been fun. We'll talk again next week. Go Hokies. Okay.